Because of the coronavirus epidemic and to respect social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was recorded remotely over Zoom. Good evening and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow. And I'm joined tonight uh, by Sue Timberlake and John hey Roberts. There. Hello. <clears throat> and we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about a bunch of different things tonight. I think uh, so many things. Well, you know, because there's the ongoing coronavirus epidemic, power failures in Texas, and uh, maybe even a bit about Mars rovers. Who knows? But uh, we'll see where where the conversation takes us. But for the moment. Uh, I just want to say that we love to hear from our listeners, and we hope you will get in touch with us in one of a few different ways. Uh, emailing us is civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org. Uh, Facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio is our community there, and at civilpoliticsfm is how you tweet at us on Twitter. Uh, we do also have our own website, which is civilpoliticsradio.com, and that has recordings of previous episodes of the show, some supplemental episodes. Like, we did a supplemental episode last weekend, uh, the evening after the Senate uh, couldn't get enough votes to actually convict Donald Trump in the impeachment hearing. So we spent like an hour talking about that, which was a lot more than we expected. But uh, if you're interested, you can go and Go to civilpoliticsradio.com and you can find that episode on there. I forget what, what we called it, but it's uh, it's on there. Or it is on there, right, Genre? I thought Wait. I saw it. The the supplemental we did about the impeachment verdict. Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Good. So, yes. um, you know, so hey, go to our website It's uh, and check out other – podcasts from the Planetside Podcast Network while you're at it, um, you know, as well as listening to all some of the great shows here on Valley Free Radio. So anywho, uh, yeah, so hey, uh, winter is has not coming, it's here, and apparently it's, it's a doozy this year, and uh, like half the country apparently, 25 of the 50 states have currently declared, you know, winter storm emergencies today. So things are things are not good, and they're particularly bad. Uh, they're uniquely bad in Texas. Uh, people, I actually saw uh, uh, some reporting uh, by Rachel Maddow about this, and you know there there are you know there's like 150 thousand people without power in Oregon right now, for example, uh, or at least there were yesterday. And so you know it's, it's not that there aren't problems around the country, but. Uh, Texas has millions of people across the state who have no power, and because they have no power, uh, because the power grid is down, it's not only a matter of people don't have lights in their home, uh, or and the people without electric heat don't have heat in their home. It's you know people who rely on natural gas lines uh, are are in trouble because the natural gas plants uh, don't have the power to to function and push gas out into the gas lines. And uh, places are losing water pressure because the the water pumps aren't working at the municipal power plants or uh, pumping stations. So it's it's a huge mess that uh, apparently has already claimed a number of lives and could well kill more. So um, yeah, cascading effects. 
So, um, you you know, in the typical, you know, bipartisan way that we are here on civil politics, I say it's all the evil Republicans' fault. Yeah, ha, ha. <laughs> no, but seriously, I say it's capitalism. <laughs> and I kind of agree. Well, certainly it's <laughs> I, I honestly. So, Sue, you know, I think this is kind of, a, a, you know, an example of the of uh, how a leaving things to, you know, smaller governments and, uh, uh, you know, deregulated uh, marketplaces uh, can can lead to catastrophic problems, but you may disagree. What do you think? Well, I I I I don't disagree on some levels, but I think isn't there an organization that's in charge of uh, the the grid in Texas? It's not just you know yes. each town on its own. I forget what it's called. It, oh, I forget what Enron it stands for, but it's it's ERCOT. E E R C O T. Enron was a That's power company saying. that's gone. It's the Electric yeah. Reliability it's, Council of Texas. ERCA. Which is yeah, I think, funny. I think that, yeah, I think it's not quite that reliable. Well, and, you know, a lot of predictions like the 500-year floodplain and all that, you know, that's that stuff has really gone up in smoke, no pun intended, with the climate change. You know, all the predicting and you need dams that can hold back this much water and, you know, look at um, New Orleans and um, Katrina. You know, it, it things are not rated for the kinds of things that are happening. So, you know, we need to sort of rethink how we predict the future from the past when, you know, right now it's clearly the climate's not particularly stable, or at least, you know, in my opinion, it's not stable. And it's it's probably going to get a lot worse if we don't, you know, try and change that. So I don't, I don't entirely fault the Texas ERCOT and their approach because their approach was very entrepreneurial. They were driving up on um, the use of uh, alternative energy sources. And, you know, they were doing a good job of it. I mean, I think the problem is they built windmills, but they forgot to prepare them for if the temperature got a lot colder. So it's kind of a, you know, we, we do a lot of stuff like that in IT. A lot of the bleeding edge stuff we do is actually not very reliable because we haven't worked all the bugs out. So I don't, you know, it's sort of like having new blood on committees. It, it, it's good because it brings in fresh ideas, but it's not quite as stable and reliable as if you have the same old farts like me on a committee for 30 years. Do you know what I'm saying? That that's the trade-off. I mean, that is a trade-off when you have, you want to have competition break out, you know, have technologies undermining each other. You know, some people are winners and some are losers, you know, whatever happened to the Betamax and, you know, um, things like that, the eight track. That's what competition does. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What is it? Digital stats. Oh, it's great. It it was pushed out by, by a, by another company that could produce a, a, a product quicker and cheaper and not necessarily yep. better. And my yep. understanding, it was also that uh, VHS was, uh, b- became the technology that was adopted by the companies making uh, porn films. And yep. because that was, uh, you know, where a lot of the money was, that's wound up becoming the standard. Yep. Cause uh, the people that made Betamax weren't allowing uh uh, porn to be on their on their uh, video. So yeah, they, oh. they uh, the porn companies went to VHS, and that's 
why that's part of why I succeeded. The rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> well, so that's uh, you know I I hear your argument and I think there's an argument to be made. I don't know if you watch any right wing uh, news outlets, but they're all blaming the um, the, the the it wasn't Texas's fault. It was the, the all wind turbines. New, new, yeah. Yeah, all the newfangled energy. I, I think it's great that Texas was, you know, riding you know, riding the wave on a lot of that new stuff and trying it. They are one of the energy capitals of the world, you know, certainly of the U.S. So it's sort of ironic that of all the places, you know, they, that it happened to Texas. So they didn't one, plan well. No, they didn't. No, and they really didn't. Yeah. One of the one of the reasons that they have the ERCOT is. It isn't really for uh, it. It's because they didn't want to. It's because they want to avoid federal regulation, and this well, that's is what, what Pfizer happens. did with the um, with their vaccine. I mean, that's why Pfizer didn't take any government money. Uh-huh. You know, that's why. So, I mean, you do release the hounds or the kraken. It depends on which you know world oh, you live in, but you release the. <laughs> You know, you release the powers and you get unstable and unpredictable results. And, you know, this country's kind of built on that. Yeah, but you, you know, shouldn't do really... that with the electrical grid. If you're if you're going to do that, if you want to test things out, if you want to have a test bed for uh, for innovation in an electrical grid, then you you do it on a small scale. You don't do it for the entire state. And they it, part of it is that Texas just didn't want to be connected to the rest of the country. They just wanted to do their yeah, own they didn't thing. want the regs. Yeah. Yep. And they did not that, want the feds poking their fingers in. And look what happened. Like they can't they can't take power from other grids, which is what uh many communities on the outskirts of Texas, like on the borders with Louisiana and on the border with like forget, New Mexico. Mexico, Nevada or whatever. Like the people that are connected to other that the the parts of the grids that aren't connected to the ERCOT that will be connected within a few years, because that is that was the timeline. Like these these grids were motion like in the motion to get connected to the to the to the main texas grid those people were out for they had power they lost power for like five minutes they're fine everybody there is fine there might be some rolling blackouts but that's it and the reason is because they have this interconnected power grid because they have to follow federal regulations for safety and for uh, equipment and, the, and everything Liability. Like that. Yeah. The, the, the amount of wind and uh, renewable energy contributes about 10% of the electricity to the, to the Texas power grid. And when, so when people are saying, oh, you know, like when some, some Republicans are saying that it's because the turbines were frozen or something, that's dumb. It's dumb because that's not what caused the the issues with with the uh, with the outages. No, Most of it the, was too much demand that blew out the transformers. No, yeah. not it, not not entirely. Part of it was because the the coal fire plants and the um and the the gas the natural gas plants froze. It wasn't just because of of over demand. It's because the equipment froze. Like it, it the it wasn't rated for. And, and I'm not saying that they they should have 
prepared for sub-zero temperatures in Texas, but still. You Actually, know. so uh, the, uh, there's a – Rachel Mato uh, did a, a, a report on this. Yeah, last night. Yeah, or last Wednesday night. Wednesday night, was it? Wednesday night. Yeah, Wednesday night. Because it's yeah. on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, – but Rachel Mato did a report on this on Wednesday night, and uh, she pointed out, uh, well, A, you know uh, – the uh yeah they the they didn't insulate pipes and do take other steps to prepare for colder temperatures in Texas uh you know to prepare these plants for a, a big winter event like this and incidentally like Texas uh at least in parts of Texas the temperatures are like 50 degrees Fahrenheit below what is normal for this time of year so you know but in fact they've it's been running worth- below Anchorage Alaska that Texas right. wow yeah it's been colder than Anchorage is right now. So, but it's which is unheard of. Well, which also that, means Anchorage is warm for this year. Yeah, Alaska isn't year. actually like crazy cold all the Cl- time. That's like climate change is messing with the jet stream and it's pushing warm mm-hmm. air up and cold air down. But here's the thing that really blew my mind that Rachel Maddow report, you know, informed me of last night. Um, you believe everything she says. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Oh, no, yeah, no, no, no. I just no. Yeah, wanted yeah. to establish the baseline. Okay, in fact, I, I, Wait, I, really? call, I call her, <laughs> I call her, you know, whenever I'm going to make a major life decision and just make sure it's okay with her. <laughs> well, she is from, she is like Western Massachusetts. She used to be a customer at my comic book store. So. There you go. Um, so what were you going to say? Uh, so uh, February 1st through 5th of 2011, Texas had a similar winter storm event, and it led to similar problems with their power distribution. You know, gas plants were – the pipes were freezing oh, they and they weren't able then. to function. Yes, and the federal government, uh, uh, the the federal agency that oversees, you know, running the electrical power grids, uh, did an inspection and a report on what the problems were. And it said, you know, uh, Texas is not prepared for this kind of thing to happen again, and here are the steps you have to take. And – they didn't do them. Yep. And, they and said, because, get out of our business. We're right. Texas. Don't. And because it, there's no interstate, it's all intrastate, uh, they, you know, commerce, the federal government didn't have the regulatory muscle to force them to do it. Yeah. Did you, and apparently, did you why also, they did that? apparently similar you problems hear? also happened back in 1989 too, so. Do, do you know what Rick Perry said? Oh God! You know who Rick Perry is. He was former Secretary of Energy, former Governor of Texas. Governor of Texas. So his quote was, "You know, people will go without power for three days to keep the federal government out of their business." (laughs) Yeah, tell that to people that needed oxygen machines. Yeah, I thought that was a very interesting comment, though, because that is a that's a that's a style. You know, the state, the state really considers itself independent and, you know, don't mess with Texas and everything's bigger and better in Texas. And yeah. Well, and look, you know, the last time we let the federal government just come in here and take over and run things, they emancipated everyone. So, you know, (laughs) never forget the infamy, infamy of June 19th, right? (laughs) Juneteenth. Yeah. Look what happened. Yeah, <laughs> we can't let that happen. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that that the whole like don't like like we want to be left alone and we like keep they keep like the state and this is the state talking, not the people in the state, but the pe- that the but the leaders and the representatives of the state keep saying this like 
some oh. people threatening to secede and everything like that. And that all goes well, to New the, Hampshire's like that too. New Hampshire yeah, doesn't really want, and they, they don't like a lot of state, you know, giveaway welfare programs. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, not, there isn't much not, of a safety net in New Hampshire. They're not, they're not threatening to secede every time they get mad about something. They're just like, Governor we Sonoda. just want you to leave us alone, whatever, you know, but they're not, but n- nobody is in, in New Hampshire is trying to leave the United States. There's no, there's no petitions to the government to leave the United States at, at the state house in, in New Hampshire. It's not that I've heard of. Yeah, that it's it's not the same thing. It's just like the they just want to be. I mean, New Hampshire just doesn't want to be bothered with uh, with all the federal regulations. You know, like they have their own thing going. Like okay, well, and that's like Alaska. Alaska bucked the trend, and they they charge the energy companies for every ounce of oil and gas that's taken out of their property and they all get money from it. So that's a, I mean, that's a very innovative non-federal approach to energy management in Alaska. I'm not arguing against states having, uh, like states, uh, sovereignty having, yeah, (laughs) having sovereignty, like it, like having, uh, experimentation in how to run government. I'm not arguing against states, uh, overriding the like sometimes overriding the the, the laws of the of the federal government because they the federal government doesn't have the right to tell the states to do these things. The problem becomes when states do that at the detriment of their people. Like that, this whole ERCOT thing is so the so the state can go around federal federal regulation and. While that might be good for some people, it's clearly not great for for the for the bulk of the population. Uh, there are some things that you you can't mess with like that. And well, uh, like utilities is one of them. You need electricity. There's no way that you can just not have electricity for three days for for a lot of people, especially in large cities. Well, and they have to boil their water. People are going outside taking snow, boiling the snow so they can flush their toilets. So, and additionally, one one of the 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 flaws or one one of the features, which in this case is a bug of the system, is they are uh, um, ERCOT tries to allow uh, market forces and and you know market incentives. Uh, drive innovation. And so, uh, you know, 10 years ago, Texas had a problem like this and, uh, you know, a similar crisis. And the federal government came in and, you know, wrote a report and said, this is this is what you need to do. And so it's not like there wasn't a, a clear and, and straightforward uh, examination of what had happened and what to do about it. But uh, a big part of the the recommendation was to essentially uh, create a redundancy, uh, uh, power plants that they didn't necessarily need uh, that might be sitting idle a good part of the time that could be then spun up and brought in to uh, help in a moment like this. Um, and in Texas, uh, the state didn't uh, force the power companies to do that. They didn't say you have to do this. This is a this is a requirement if you're going to do business here here in the great state of Texas. Instead, they could have, they could have they and they the didn't. And instead, will. 
Instead, they figured like, okay, but here's how, here's what'll happen. Uh, in the event of, you know, high demand, we will allow the companies making, the, you know, supplying the power charge, you know, raise their prices, you know, surge pricing like Uber and, uh, or so, Enron. yeah, well, apparently, well, and you know, Enron is, there's a reason why Enron is infamous and ended in, you know, bankruptcy and criminal investigations that's and people going what to they prison. were doing is they were raising the prices to drive governor gray out of office. Well, that's in California, so, yeah. and they were they were yeah. artificially creating the shortages. They were deliberately yes. uh, uh, choking yep. off the state of California, which is again yeah, a crime that killed people. But um, within Texas, without you know arbi- arbitrarily say we're going to turn off power plants so people people so we make more money and who cares if people die that that is not what I'm I'm talking about right here uh it's like thirty dollars for a uh you know megawatt hour of electricity from a supplier but uh in the surging conditions right now it's like 200 times that because you know like well you really need the power now and we can charge what the market will bear and right now the market will bear that and, bear anything and, right and so the the it's incentive Right. So the incentive to, you know, winterize the system so that it's prepared for a, a, a rare crisis like this is you will lose a ton of money if you don't. And so long as the cost benefit analysis is like, yeah, how, how likely is that to happen? Yeah, we'll get through. Yeah, I don't want to like uh, cut into this quarter's profits by starting something expensive like that. We'll just cash, you know, you know, cash the checks now and kick the can down the road and you wind up with this problem in 20 in 2021 10 years after the last time this happened and well, look how highly dying. regulated masses massachusetts is and look at what columbia gas did to andover i, I know i know which Mike is where i am right now, now. yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that was cost savings they had people that were doing the gas work that didn't yep. have any qualifications they were cheapening it they and were trying to the bust their did. union Yep. Guess what the government did after this all happened? They got their biggest competitor to take them over. So now there's pretty much a monopoly. That that was the regulated utilities response through the state government, Commonwealth of Mass. They've created a monster because now there's like, you know, what is I forget what the new company's name is. It's the it's the name that was everywhere else Ever in the source. state. Eversource. Eversource. Yeah, yeah, Eversource, basically. So, I mean, Massachusetts' response to bad behavior like that wasn't, you know, it solved the problem temporarily, but it's not really well, I, solved anything. Well, I think we, I think we, we all know the the solution to all of this. Really, uh, it's either put the put utilities under public control, or, or, or uh, have have any utilities run as nonprofits. Boom. So I so nationalize it. things. Yeah. Nationalize or just, you know, like you yeah. keep you keep what's going on, except there's you you run like all companies running uh running utilities are nonprofits. So they don't they don't have to worry about making a profit. They just have to worry about paying the bills and any profit that they make will go back into either uh, innovation or paying for uh, upgrades or uh, improvements or just lowering prices. 
just like a like a credit union. Well, a lot of a lot like of light departments are municipal. Not a lot, but you know, there's a bunch of towns and cities in Massachusetts where they own their light department. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shrewsbury, um, Shrewsbury actually, Shrewsbury owns Holyoke, its um, Northampton. It owns its um, internet. No, Northampton doesn't have its own light department. They're, no, they're talking about internet. Right. No, no, it no, does. It That's how it it has its own public internet because Holyoke, that provides legal not framework. Northampton. Holyoke, not Northampton. Well, yeah. no, no, North Holyoke has its own actual power grid. But if I'm understanding it correctly, because I remember I was talking about this uh, uh, with Nicole LaChapelle, the mayor of my hometown of East Hampton, uh, and the the idea is like you set up the uh, the legal structure of the utility, and that. You know, yeah, you're not going to actually have, build your own power plant, but that provides you they with do. the actually, regulatory mechanism that too. provides you with the regulatory mechanism that lets you also set up civic internet, which is, I believe, the legal structure that allowed Northampton to set up its own, you know, public Wi-Fi. No, 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 there's just a study commission. They they oh, don't okay. have their own light department. That would be an obstacle to it because they don't have it. Northampton doesn't have so. its own doesn't have its own power station it it does still feed off of i think eversource actually but uh, uh, holyoke it's does it's not controlled sure. by yeah not well, holyoke not has Northampton. has has the dams on the uh, connecticut river uh and yeah, holyoke, gas and, well, holyoke gas and yeah. electric is you know providing the power for for my my current business but um you know uh i don't i know northampton doesn't have a power plant but that doesn't mean it doesn't necessarily have a public utility they haven't yeah, voted, they haven't on, voted it. on it. Okay, all right. No. So, and that's, so I that's stand a corrected. huge obstacle. Yeah, no, and and it's important because you know that's how Belmont and Shrewsbury and all those folks did it because they have their own light departments and their own people that run the lines and do all that stuff. Yeah, so you so get uh, so you get municipal uh, um, light departments or or power departments and and grids, or you get um, nonprofit uh, companies to uh, to run it. And uh, the, and and there you go. Then you don't have to worry. Boom! I solved everything. <laughs> I literally solved well, the world. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's it for civil politics. Thank you very much for listening. Well, uh, no, I we can't. We can't end. We can't end. Right. Well, we can't end civil politics bad. there. Not only because she <laughs> disagrees, but also because even if we did agree, there is actually still some cool stuff to talk about. Like, for example, we landed a rover on Mars. Hooray! Hey! Oh yeah! The hey, another persever- place to colonize. Yeah. The Are there any indigenous microbes? Yes. <laughs> In- indigenous microbes? Well, we, we don't know yet, but we'll find out. Yeah, and uh, maybe they'll give us smallpox instead of the other way around. Maybe so. Uh, and it's yeah. uh, it's it's an example of you know the government and private companies actually working together to produce something really cool. Um, For so eight, eight years, did you say? Eight, Eight years, years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Y- you know, uh, S- Stacy on our, our sister show here on VFR, uh, evidence-based, uh, uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to the show yet, but she's you know, got to have a, a great talk about it. And, uh, you know, her podcast, you know, uh, what's her, what's her, her podcast is. If you want to listen to evidence-based radio, uh, That's and it. then you can go to evidencebasederata.com and I will link that in the show notes for, for everybody and on the website. 
Hey, Genre, why don't you play us out with that little clip you've been you've been dying to share with us? And we're going to take a short break here on Civil Politics, play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs, and we'll be right back in just a moment. To give people hope. And, and there we see them again, clapping and, and just having such a image. good time. Because this mission, this mission was eight years in the making. They have been working just so hard to make this happen. And Katie, you're saying the first images are coming in? I think that's the first image. That's what they're cheering about. And what would they be seeing? Mars. Go for it. <laughs> Thank you for that. I've personally never seen Mars. It's Mars. Mars. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in the CD or tape player, each week presenting shows which can at times be organized and orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. Tune in to Evidence-Based Radio, science and skepticism from a feminist and socialist perspective. Every week, we explore the interesting and important stories in science with a focus on the positive. Friday nights from 6 to 7 on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, or at evidencebasedarada.com. That's 6 to 7 p.m. Fridays on Valley Free Radio. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP. 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow. I'm still talking with John Roberts and Sue Timberlake. And I think, and I'm thinking maybe, everything. yeah, yeah. Since you solved everything <laughs> uh, to do with our power grid anyways, uh, what do you think about uh, uh, the uh, President Biden's statement uh, the other day at a, at a town hall press conference thingy? where someone asked him about uh, the plan Elizabeth Warren and Chuck Schumer, of all people, apparently are, are pushing in the Senate to relieve, to, to grant up to $50,000 worth of student debt relief to all Americans. Um, and President Biden just said, I'm not going to do that, which I think is a, is a real disappointment. And, uh, you know, uh, 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 exactly the kind of you know, lackluster, business-friendly centrism that, uh, you know, led me to say back last year when he was when he was still just a candidate, you know, that like, you know, Biden's campaign slogan could be out of the fire, back into the frying pan. Uh, I, I say you can't be disappointed with something that you were expecting. Fair enough. 
he said he wanted to do $10,000 throughout his campaign. And people are like, what about $50,000? And he was like, what about $10,000? And then he didn't say anything else about it. And then they're like, what about $50,000? He's like, $10,000. Like, he's, he's, if anything, he's stable. Well, that's true. <laughs> he's he he's he's been a loyal friend to the credit card companies of his home state for all these years. Why should he stop now that he's the leader of the of he the free should? world, as they say? Yes, of course. Like he should, he should do fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, I agree. But he ain't gonna. So, and I don't um, I don't really uh, understand like why people would be shocked about this. Like it's Biden. What did you expect? Yeah. Well, I I think that um, if you're going to do that, you have to do it all the way back for everybody that's ever spent $50,000 on college. I'd why? love a rebate for the money. Well, why not? I mean, you know. Because nobody's that's insane. <laughs> why? Be- because, you know, I'm that much further behind because I did put myself through college and paid all my debt off. So you know, when, that's how much should have UBI? There you go. Well, thank you, Sue. I'm glad that you agree with me. <laughs> So Sue, how much was a how much was a year's tuition when you went to college? Uh, well, when I went to undergrad, it was probably about two thousand dollars a semester. Mm, but when wow. I went to all my graduate, when I went to and I was paid seventy five cents an hour. So just to put it in perspective, uh-huh. um, and when I went to graduate school, it was about I think it was about twenty thousand dollars a year. But then they gave me some help, so I, you know, they uh, they gave me. uh, If I can ask, I I never mention it on the air because then I get hate mail. So okay, oh, uh, never mind. But um, well, so can I ask ask, like state or or private? Uh, private. Huh. So I went to a private college, Kenyon College in Gambier, Ohio, for my undergraduate degree, which I earned in 1992. And the final year of my uh, undergraduate, uh, a year's tuition at Kenyon cost about $20,000, which my investment banker father just paid. Thanks, dad. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, so, so my no, graduate school was no in debt that same window. So, um, yeah, so it's about the same. Right. So a year's tuition at Kenyon now, I believe, is $55,000. So 28 years later, the, the cost is more than doubled. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to knock the value of an education in Kenyan because, you know, actually I, it provided some value to me and I, I'm glad I went there and I made a lot of good friends and just it, I'm, I'm very positive about the school in general. But uh, I'm, I, I got to say, you know, I think to some extent they raised the price up that high because they could. They could, as opposed yeah. to that's that, exactly what you know, happened. And I mean, and Kenyon was is unusual in schools of its vintage because Kenyon will be two hundred years old uh, in eighteen uh, in three years. So it's, yeah, eighteen eighty eight. I was I was just doing the math in my head. Eighteen twenty four. So three years, it'll be two hundred years old. So it's it's an older college, but uh, you know, it's of a, a vintage similar to someplace like Amherst. But it, until recently, we didn't have the kind of endowment that Amherst did. So Kenyon was functioning, you know, in 1992, like 80% of the school's revenue was actually coming from tuition, which is not how a lot of older colleges do it. But, you know, now uh, Kenyon just got like a $200 million endowment donation from somebody uh, like in their will or whatever. So, 
you know, Kenyon's been been catching up, but still they're charging the same kind of money that colleges that are super flushed, like say Amherst or Smith are charging. Um, so the whole thing is just. Well, I heard a presidential candidate in 2016 give a speech in New Hampshire. And uh, I thought it was very interesting because they were talking about how tuition has gone sort of sky high with, and it's because the schools are competing with each other for the top students or whatever, for, for paying customers, I guess is the way to put it. And, and the fellow said, so, you know, we're up here in New Hampshire, and I forget what college it is that's up there. And he said, they just built a brand new indoor climbing wall for rock climbers for their college campus and they're advertising it, you know, as, you know, this being a really great look at the resources this college has. And the presidential candidate said, what the hell? There's a mountain right there that you can go out and climb. Why does a college that's supposed to educate you need to build an indoor, you know, state of the art climbing range? And it's true. They were all competing that way. You know, they're competing with athletic facilities. They're, competing with, um, you know, science centers, which maybe make a little more sense, but you know, the schools, they were, they were basically like hospitals. They were unregulated and could charge whatever they wanted. And, you know, the pressure to get a college degree versus a, um, trade degree, you know, trade craft, it's, it's, it ruined, you know, the competition that the market didn't really work in colleges and universities. So I think some of them are going to go by the wayside, but I thought that was a great comment. Why would you build an indoor climbing range when you're right next to the white mountains? So that kind of reminds me of a joke. Um, you know, uh, you know how, uh, NASA spent like, hundreds of thousands of dollars developing a pen to work in space and yes uh and then then the the punchline is but the russians just use a pencil yeah the, oh, the that's problem, very funny the problem with that is that you can't use a pencil in a spacecraft because shavings will screw up the the the, the electronics yeah, and the equipment the filters and there's well, a reason yeah, why they spent that yeah. much money. Graphite and, in the in the in the CO two scrubbers, yeah, exactly. So yeah. It, and it it reminds me of that because uh, people are complain like complain about and honestly, partially rightly so about how uh, colleges are spending so much money on uh, facilities to try to to entice students when. We can also talk about the massive salaries that a lot of colleges give to their sports directors, coaches. Um, oh, no, yeah, not professors. Coaches. <laughs> coaches. You, the coaches at UMass. The professors yeah, the don't make – like, unless you have tenure, which, again, they are reducing the amount of tenure that they're giving out. Unless you have yeah, – Everybody's um, instructors now, yeah, right? Yeah, everybody's – like, they're, they're getting, like uh, – part-time instructors and everything like people people doing classes some people academic sharecropping they call it exactly academic exactly people doing that and uh the um the amount of administrators that they have has exploded there's there's a lot of you can say like look at this climbing wall and partially sure but then we can also say look at this new stadium that they built for no reason Oh, it's because they're trying to attract uh, 
They're trying to get like, into Division B. Where are they exactly. trying to get? Climb, like some yeah, stupid UMass. division or something like that. They're trying to do like X, Y, and Z, and they're taking. And the the amount of money that they're taking is more than they need to. They don't need as many administrators. They don't need to pay their coaches as much because who the hell cares? You know, you're a college, but we can well, we can, a lot sure, of we can we can talk about the climbing wall. Many alums do seem to care uh, and will make donations for that and and whatever. I I agree. It's it's risible. It's dumb. But also, <laughs> uh, there's a uh, if you I'm sure if you do a search for this drama, you you, you can find uh, the latest figures. So I, I doubt this has changed. But um, uh, uh, the last time I checked, uh, I think in 48 or 49 out of the 50 states, the highest paid public employee was an athletics coach at the Maine State University. You know. Like, yeah. like, like getting paid more than the governor or any of the other, uh, you know, important state officials or anything like that with one or two exceptions. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's probably true in mass too. I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised, but I honestly don't yeah. know. Um, yeah. so, so that's, you know, I think that's a big waste of public so dollars. And of we, course there's so also the outrage of the NCAA uses unpaid student labor, uh, which yeah. is just horrible. But anyway, sorry, sorry, Sue. I just. That also pisses me off. <laughs> yep. So we kind of went down a rat hole, but my argument, I do not want the gov- government to, to pay for my long ago paid off uh, college loans. Yeah, we don't want to pay it off either. I, but I, I, I think it's a bad, I don't think it's a good idea. I wouldn't agree with paying off people's student loans. I think people need to stop overpaying for their education and to really think about what they're getting. For their but money's they, worth, but people and when the yeah, when sorry. the market is when the market is squared away, it'll be a whole different discussion. But right now, you know, you have these galloping costs of these runaway college that for things that that's not really worth it. I mean, a lot of people have huge college debt, and I don't, you know, I I just don't think it's I don't think there's the intrinsic value in it that people put in it. And it's important for the industry to shake out. So I'd, I'd be opposed to paying off student debt because it'll only make for more of it. If more people thinking that their their college is going to be subsidized, and I think I think the market needs to be a little closer to its knitting. You know, it needs to be a little tighter from uh, the transaction side, so that the people that are buying it are really looking at what they're buying. So you're worried about moral the moral hazard involved. Uh, just that whenever the government gets involved, prices go up. Ah, okay. What? That's that's okay. not so, what I thought you were saying. Uh, so yeah, but there's an there's okay. So issues with that. So there's um people. They, like, we're the, gonna get a lesson here. Yeah, actually. So when I when when like over the course of my life, when I'm trying to get work. Most of the time, and and this is one of the reasons why I finished my associate's degree. It wasn't because I wanted to finish college, because I hated school, and I was not good at it. No, I did not like school, and for various reasons. But barrier to entry if you don't have the degree. Exactly, like you have to have a degree. You have to have a degree. At least a two-year degree. Yeah. At least a two-year degree. Interview. but but if you want to have a good job, like a job that pays 
enough to pay for these this school, you need to have a four year degree. Like that's what people look yep. for. If you don't have a four year degree in some jobs, they just put you at the bottom of the pile. And this is this is this comes from a generation of people saying you need a you need to go to college, you need to get a good job, you need to have family, and that is my generation, possibly part, partly, <laughs> because I had that ringing in my ear since I was like ten, and not from my family, just from the the cultural zeitgeist. So everybody, everybody yeah. says you have to go to college, you have to go to college. So. One. That's what very, that's what Papa Cosby on the Cosby Show was modeling, and that show was. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I mean, the, the 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 image of of Dr. Huxtable was influential to a lot of people, and that was absolutely part of the message. Like, you need yeah. to get an education, you need to better yourself, you need to, you know, get a, you know, pursue a a, a worthwhile and lucrative career. Exactly, you know, and even at face value, another, that, that, that's still you know another there. father figure you could have brought up beside him it doesn't matter the point is that when when we're talking about like shopping around for for things or like trying to find or like the market shaking out that that is assuming that that is possible for people to do in the last 30 40 years the emphasis on getting a college degree is has been so high that we've had uh these pop-up called these for-profit colleges come up and try to try to oh, fleece yeah. people we've had uh college de- um college tuitions exploding because they know that people need to ha- need to go to school and get a college degree or else they they won't get ahead in this in our economy especially our economy now think about our economy now if you don't have a college degree then you're not going to get a good job <laughs> it's not going to happen. Well, look at the you know look they, at the Quinn bill for the state. The police have to get a master's degree to get you know to get more pay. Yeah. And the state set that up, and the yeah. cities and towns have to pay for it. And it doesn't matter what the degree is in. It's basically if they do that, then they get X more dollars. And it's exactly. like and I, why and that's you a, know like well, there's and there are, the problem. There, is there are reasons. Re- there are reasons to have certain jobs needing education like police i think police do need to have a degree to be policemen but that is because they are a state agent and they are they they are going to be having so much power they need to be taught how to wield it correctly yeah i i agree a two-year postgraduate degree would be i think no i'm saying i know you don't get that in college my point is that you need to have a degree. This has been a focus in our in our society for decades. And if we if a student wants to shop around, that's fine, but they can't not go. It's it is very unlikely that they will be able to support themselves in our current economy without a degree. Even uh, an associate's isn't really good enough anymore. You have to have a degree. And that means that you can't depend on the market to shake that out because, you know, like the cheapest college for, for, for someone might be in California and they live here. Like that, that's not feasible, especially for people that don't have generational wealth. 
And there are some people that say that that clearing out $50,000 of of tuition would be a form of racial justice because families that could have can afford that they have generational what they have wealth they don't have it's it's not income it's wealth so they can afford that but black people brown people uh people that are on the lower rungs of the of of the scale of of wealth they have they have so much debt and it's weighing them down See, so, I, I agree you know. with you, but it's interesting that President Biden sort of tried to turn that on its head and said, well, you know, it's a, it's regressive. Like we shouldn't – we should be means testing it if we're going to be giving debt relief to people, <sighs> you know, because we don't want to like be helping out rich white folks with generational wealth like mine. And I mean I, I sort of take his point, but, uh, you know, I've never taken on any college debt at all. And, you know, I spent four years – I spent three years at a, at a prep school – which my parents paid for, and then four years at an undergraduate college, which my parents paid for, and then I was at uh, UMass Amherst getting my master's degree for four years, which I didn't pay for because, uh, uh, you know, I had uh, grant money as a teaching assistant for two years, and actually I did pay for two years tuition, but it was it was negligible because I I wasn't actually paying for classes, so that cost me like two grand altogether, you know, just to keep my name in the pool. So yeah, so that was. Um, that was a, a really great deal for me. So I don't I don't I don't think it makes sense to to worry about means testing it because the people who really don't need the help already don't need the help. Also, means testing just puts more regulation or more more barriers up against against people trying if you're trying to help them. It's an excuse not to do it. It's it, yeah, it like the with the stimulus, you they want to do means testing for like the next stimulus. They have been doing means testing. If a thought like if a hundred thousand people in the country get fourteen hundred dollars, and that makes sure that literally everybody who needs the money can get the money, then I don't care. Give them the money. Yeah. It's worth it. It's worth it. So. Tax it back from us next year, whatever. No, don't do that. No, no, no. I mean, like, if you want to be like, hey, you, 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 you know, you rich jerks with all your inherited money or whatever, you know, like, oh, we look, just for we you see. guys. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you sh- we should raise t- taxes on the rich anyway. But, um, but hey. yeah, means testing <laughs> is is something that is that looks good on paper, but is just. It just creates barriers because then you you look at t- like people are looking at 2019 uh, salaries and and income to determine who can have who can get like X amount of the stimulus. What about the next two years? Things happen. People lose their jobs. So that means someone that was making a hundred thousand dollars in 2019 might be making fifty that right now. Or zero. Or I mean, zero. actually, zero. a friend of mine in Ohio had a had a job that was paying in that you know low six figures range. You know, some kind of state contract job. I don't remember exactly what it was, but you know, and that was great. And you know, providing for the family with you know the three kids and everything like that. So they were they were making it work, and it was good. But like you know, that contract ran out, and what with it all the stuff that went down in twenty twenty, yeah, like like there's been basically no income since. February of last year. And so it's like, well, you don't need it. You're making over hundred K. It's like, no, I haven't been for a year. I desperately need the money. Yeah. You know, but exactly. Sorry, kid. 
Oh, and and that's the same friend who has seventy five thousand dollars in student debt going back into the late nineties. So, yeah. Oof. Just. Yeah. So, just so, like just yeah. wipe out the debt because I mean, plus you want money into the economy. Think about that. That would be yeah. an insane amount of money that people can just spend, not just pay off debts, just spend. You want people to get new cars, buy houses, things like that. Why about mm-hmm. that student debt? Like we just paid off um, student debts here like a, a couple of years ago. And since then, we have been doing much better financially. Not great since I can't work, but still like – Yep. not having that albatross vastly increase and improves your life mm-hmm. and it's, that should be something that we should work for like improving people's lives some people yes they'll they'll say you know i i i paid off my my student loan and i worked really hard and i'm like great that's great be happy for other people now i'm worried about my granddaughter because she's going to pay off all this debt we just put on the federal government. Mm, not necessarily. Because money's made up. We can just say no. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Here comes inflation. Ay, ay, ay. I mean, they, there are ways to control that. Uh, and there are ways to, to look at the, um, the, the decrease that like, we're going to wipe out the $50,000 or even the $10,000. How, how does that, what effect does that have on the actual economy? Like how much of that money is going to be put back into the economy, which means, and let's, let's face it, let's go like the Republican thing. That'll create jobs because more people will be putting money into the economy and more people want to buy things, which means more people will get hired to do, to do things. And it, hopefully will create a feedback loop that would increase the GDP and increase the, uh, the amount of money that, that the uh, United States generates for itself. And we, wouldn't ha- we don't have to worry as much about an exploding debt. I would also just point out that one of the main reasons why there are concerns about economic stimulus driving inflation is like, okay, well, you know, you put more money into the economy and people are like, hey, now I've got some more money. And they, they, you know, they throw it around on stuff that there aren't necessities. And that winds to, you know, uh, uh, you know, more discretionary, more, uh, in a sense, at least luxury spending, you know, and it's like, oh, okay. So prices go up because everybody's able to spend more money. Um, when you have pent up demand, like we do now, where people, um, uh, you know, have all these uh, essential, you know, things to pay off like, oh, yeah, finally, I can fix the brakes on my car. Finally, I can fix that broken water heater in my house or whatever. You know, that's the kind of of basic, you know, small, small scale infrastructure spending that just is going to, pr- you know, increase productivity and increase wealth. That doesn't drive inflation when you have that kind of pent up demand. Um, so, yeah, you know, like we've got a lot of it. So uh, a big stimulus putting money in people's pockets for a while isn't going to to blow up inflation. We do need to, if we're going to cancel out student debt, then we do need to take care of the reason why that that is there in the first place. Yeah. And 
or change our bankruptcy laws back. You know, I mean, yeah, my, change the, camp, yeah, the friend sure. I was mentioning, you know, declared bankruptcy eight years ago and, you know, can't get rid of that darn student debt. You know. Do you know why we why we did that? Why we changed the bankruptcy law? Yeah, so you mentioned it was because students, uh, students, you know, were getting their their MDs and then Physicians. skipping out on their med school doc uh, bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were there was a huge. Uh, what is it? Uh, the same all the same age group. There's a whole bunch of docs that did that, and Joe Biden and his credit card friends in um, <laughs> Delaware. I mean, they they yep. were behind it. Mm-hmm. They 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 tightened up the bankruptcy laws. So, yeah, I know it's it's um, we got to talk about Joe Biden some more. I don't know. Are we coming close? We're probably near the end of our oh, very close, adventure yeah. tonight. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, we I, I'm perfectly happy to talk about Joe Biden's faults, you know, as well as you know the stuff he's 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 doing right. I mean, he's made some good moves as president. Like he's he's certainly an improvement. But, yeah, Joe Biden still has uh, some some real problems. But we do need to wrap up. So, uh, so uh, uh, unless you guys got a last word, let's. Uh, I can I actually have something? Um, just go uh, for it, and then wrap up the show. <laughs> something per- okay, I could do that. Something yeah. personal. Um, so uh, a little uh, uh, a few weeks ago, I learned that uh, a friend um, that I had, um, actually an online friend. I've never actually met him on person, but a really good guy. Uh, one someone that everybody that we hung out with online like really respected he passed away um Mm -hmm. and i just wanted to uh say that like just rest in rest in peace or rest in power uh what uh armand um he was a really good friend and a really a really uh great captain of the of the starship horizon so (laughs) May his memory oh, be a I'm blessing. I'm so sorry. It's all right. We are we are actually going to be making an audio tribute to him uh, that I can I can link to, but it's really in in game stuff like this game that we all played together. <laughs> so, but I just want to say uh, that he was he was a wonderful person, and um, he's going to be missed by a lot of people. So that is it for Civil Politics. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you want to hear our uh, our show on podcast, then you can go to civilpoliticsradio.com. If you want to hear a repeat of this show, then you can listen on WXOJLP 103.3 FM on Monday at 4 p.m. The podcast of the show will be out on uh, Monday morning at about 1 a.m. when I put it out. Uh, and coming up, we have some great music. Uh, we have uh what is it mike i'm sorry okay subculture subculture at eight Mm -hmm. uh table of contents at 10 and okay asia at midnight thank you so much and uh see you star side civil politics is a member of the planetside podcast network to learn more go to planetsidepodcasts.com